0: Welcome back into One Winning Pod, where we're hoping the Ravens can shake off an incredibly frustrating loss uh, to the Pittsburgh Steelers. If you listen to our recap of that, you know that a big thing that can really help us this week is catching the football. And we are going to be back in London once again for the second time in Ravens history and I guess all we can say about that is it can only go up from last time. Uh, Absolute worst case scenario last time, so we'll just see what happens here. We will be playing a noted foe, the Tennessee Titans, and so as it is Titans week, we have uh, a guest returning to the show uh, who wasn't able to be on the past two seasons due to this matchup not being uh, on the calendar, but he is back, Titans fan Tim. How's it going, Tim? Good. Thanks for having me back. Definitely happy to have
1: you. This is a very interesting matchup. With the Ravens currently projected to win, I guess, by 3.5 points. That's what they're favored by Vegas. Over under 40 points, looking like a low-scoring affair. Um, the Ravens are in London already. Tim, do you know if uh, the Titans have traveled yet? The Titans will actually be practicing in Nashville um, before
2: the game. Last year when they were in London, they, they practiced in London and didn't go very well. And I guess Rabel thought that was part of the reason, so he's going to be... Um, having all the
0: practices in the US and then traveling. Yeah, it's funny to see, you know, all this uh, talk is being done about, you know, what teams should go out there and shouldn't. And Harbaugh even mentioned it. He was like, you know, he said, Ravens are out there now simply just because last time they went at the last possible minute and it didn't go well. So just going to try something different. But even he admitted in the press conference, like no data was found of like there being an advantage or disadvantage to what time you got out. It's literally just trying something different because what happened last time didn't work. So why not? You know, but um, yeah. So you mentioned that the Titans were in London last year. I think it's kind of hard to keep track of, of teams that aren't the ones you follow uh, who's been international and how many times, um, how many times have the, the Titans been in, in the international series? I think it's only
2: been the once before, but I could be misremembering, you know, those early morning games
0: all fuzzy afterwards. Yeah, definitely understand that. So I guess to get this conversation rolling, and we talked about a little bit um, in the beginning, Titans, uh, very interesting start to the season. They are undefeated at home and winless on the road. This game is technically listed as a home game for the Titans, but obviously, since it won't be in Nashville, it's really only home in name. Um Titans, really a hard team to peg down. You know, they beat Cincinnati. They beat the Chargers, lost to Cleveland, lost to the Colts, lost to the Saints. Um, they At times, Derrick Henry has looked like his old self. At other times, he's been bottled up. Tannehill has been up and down the defense, shut down the Bengals, but then got rolled over by the Browns. Um, uh, yeah, I mean, Tim, if you're looking at this team right now, I mean, what's your read on it? Uh, above expectations, below, at, or do you just have no idea? Yeah, I mean it's it's hard
2: to get a true grasp of what's going on because I would have hoped they'd be better, but at the same time, like they're beating the teams who on paper are the better teams in their schedule and losing to the worst teams. And it was an especially frustrating loss um, this last week against a division rival, the Colts, and one that was a very winnable game. And I've seen some good and some bad, and you know what they've done to in the Bengals game, the Chargers game. There's signs of life, and there's. What they can be is at least visible we we know that they have it what's what's capable of being a decent offensive team especially after the uh, misery of todd downing last year so there's at least hope there but there's also way too much inconsistency it seems like every week there's one of the units doesn't show up but it's not always the same unit so we just need to play complimentary football and i think we'll be all right but very frustrating
1: yeah. It looks like the offense is a kind of a rework in many ways from previous years. We have obviously Tannehill still at the helm, but, uh, Tajay Spears was drafted this year and has been spelling Henry, maybe more than some people will expected. He's definitely been involved and in looking like a, a, a lightning bolt to the offense from time to time. You guys acquired Hopkins in the trade. Burks is hurt right now. Uh, Chris is still there, which <laughs> cracks me up that he's still in the league. Uh, Chig isn't playing particularly well yet, or at least hasn't been putting up stats. And then of course you guys have been reworking the line. So I'm kind of curious given a lot of changes to each positional group, um, you know, since we last spoke to you is the offense still relatively the same or has the scheme changed much?
2: Yeah, I'd say it's, Quite different as far as like what they're trying to be. Um, they have the same general identity, but they've definitely moved in some different directions. Um, some things in the offseason that I was really excited to hear was you know, they had uh, a new. I believe he's their wide receiver coach and um, uh, pass game uh, coordinator, and he said specifically that we need to get the ball in the hands of our playmakers. I'm like, that's awesome. That's what I've been wanting them to do because I mean, Tannehill spreads the ball around, but it also kind of seems like he's frustratingly a one read kind of guy. He's the play is drawn up for somebody and that's who he looks for. And when it's not there, you know, maybe he, maybe he scrambles. Honestly, it's been getting less likely. He's been doing that lately and it's just play blows up if it's, if his first looks not there. Um, So I was like, if At least if we were staring down and forcing it to the guys like DeAndre Hopkins, then something can ho- hopefully happen. Uh, they've definitely changed their scheme up a little bit with um, Tim Kelly now as the offensive coordinator. Uh, I mentioned earlier about Todd Downing. I was definitely not a fan of Todd Downing. He was, in my opinion, the worst coordinator in the league last year. And uh, he should have been fired after the uh, DUI he got in the middle of the season, but not and now he somehow he latched on as a passing game coordinator with the jets but that's their problem now <laughs> <laughs> um yeah with derrick henry i'd say they need to be giving him the ball more i'm glad they're not making him like necessarily a bell cow like he has been to this point because keeping him fresh but at the same time he's best whenever he gets time to get going especially wearing down a defense um the games they've lost he has had not enough touches in the games they've won. He's had plenty of touches, so you can kind of see that pattern there, and it doesn't surprise me at all. A lot of their identity is built on the run, but it's also built on the play action, and Spears has been great, but when Spears is lined up behind Tannehill, they don't load the box like they do for Henry, so the play action isn't sold as well, and they don't have as many people up that they can then get past on a uh, you know, deeper route. So it's... A lot hinges on Henry being on the field. Um, Spears definitely has been really good. Maybe they'll start to treat him like more of a threat, but so far you don't give Derrick Henry the ball and you don't win.
0: Yeah. I mean, you look at the stats and it backs that your statements backed up immediately by you look at this. Um, Derrick Henry has had two games this season where he's had over 20 carries and that's both your wins. <laughs> um, in particular, I mean, he had an excellent game against Cincinnati, it was, was fine against the Chargers, maybe not what you've come to expect from Henry, but still effective. Uh, his yards per carry are, are pretty low um, from what you've you come to expect from him. Uh, do you think that's just a matter of, like you're saying, teams are loading the box more, or does it look like maybe age is finally catching up to the guy? I mean, he is 29 years old. That is, on the older side for for a running back, that is the type of time that you generally start to see um see some signs of age and and wear and tear uh, show up on these guys. So um, yeah, when you look at Henry, who's been the heart and soul of your guys offense for the past few seasons, um, do you think that if the Titans continue to give this guy the ball, or rather get back to getting this guy, the ball that he can still be that guy who can single-handedly carry an offense, carry you guys to the playoffs. Or are you as a Titans fan getting a bit concerned that, um, his best days might be behind him and we're starting to see uh, the de- decline of his career. Yeah, I
2: mean, I don't think he's declining as a player. I think a lot of it has to do with our offensive line and and coaching. I think part of why they are trying to keep him fresh is because, you know, he gets so many touches in a season in the playoffs that he might wear down. And that's a legitimate uh, concern, but that would be for anybody. And also they're preparing for the possibility that he is no longer a Titan after this season. Um, Spears. I really like Spears. I don't know how long of a career he's going to have. He doesn't have an ACL in one leg and a uh, cartilage um, as well. So it's a little concerning that it might be like a one contract type player, but he looks really dynamic. And I'm glad he's getting touches. But yeah, Henry has been facing stacked boxes his entire career. So that's not necessarily new. It's offensive line last year was offensive. Um, he had worst left tackle in like the last 20 years, uh, with Dennis Daly. I think they showed some, some stats on sacks allowed and pressures and all that. And he was, uh, pretty much at the top of the list in the last two decades. And he was a turnstile over there. There were so many plays I watched where he didn't even get hands on the guy rushing past him. And I'm um, like, it, I, you know, you don't want to take a, a bad penalty, but at that point, at least hold the guy to make sure your quarterback doesn't get killed. But he was just standing there. Um, this year, I am still think that's the weakest link, Andre Dillard. Um, I was hoping that you know they saw something that could bring him out, bring out the potential that Eagles saw when they drafted him in the first round. So far, it has been anything but, and he has been uh, the biggest problem on the line. Uh, I've been very happy with their new additions. Their first round pick, Skaronski, missed the last three games before this one with an emergency appendectomy, and uh, uh, he was back. yesterday Um, and then we have uh, Brunskill from the 49ers at right guard has been holding his own and surprisingly Chris Hubbard at right tackle who's played 73 steps in the last two seasons before this has been Performing pretty well at right tackle. So it's mainly left tackle I've noticed they've uh, given more help which I've been calling for bringing in tight ends um, to help you know chip block and Just knowing that they're going to line up their their heavy hitters on that side. So give them some help and Henry has done better with the when the line has done better. It seems to go hand in hand, and I know you know good running back should hopefully be able to create his own space, but there's only so much you can do whenever he's getting hit. I think they said the one Browns game, he goes averaging seven he was getting hit seven feet behind the line of scrimmage, which <laughs> <laughs> you're, you're not going anywhere i don't care who you are if you're getting hit behind the line of scrimmage on average, seven feet behind it, so he's just not getting any room to run. Um, I think some of the linemen that they picked up have been better in pass pro, but have they've traded that off a little bit for, for run. So it's a work in progress. The line's starting to gel, I think, a little bit too. But there's that, and then there's coaching. Um, the fourth and one that they just tried to run against the uh, the Colts with the eight minutes left in the fourth quarter, it was obviously Henry territory, and they at least went with the 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 right move to go with Henry, but they lined up in a shotgun and had Henry on Tannehill's right hip and then just handed it off to the side. You know, you have to work with extra yards when you run the shotgun. The blocking wasn't really there. I'm like, just give him an eye formation, give him an extra blocker playing fullback if you want, but run him down the middle. He's going to get that yard. So that was more of a coaching decision than than on Henry. So I know it was a bit long winded, but I <laughs> I don't blame it on Henry. Is the bottom line. I think it's. A lot of things but it's not him losing a step
0: one thing i think that does work well for the ravens though um with all due respect to henry i mean we talked about it in our recap of the steelers uh, uh game you know one of the things that that did go the ravens way in that game was the run defense and it has gone our way all year so i i do like the ravens uh in that matchup um but at the same time, I mean, Henry has burnt us before, so I'm not going to say here that it's a lock that I think that the Ravens will be able to contain, and they're going to have to take that seriously and um, and really get some some good uh, push up front and have Roquan and Queen uh, really really attacking downfield. But yeah, I mean, so talking about Henry, I guess we'll move now to uh, the receivers. It is interesting to me that DeAndre Hopkins. Um, has had some success uh, here. I mean, you know, his his stats right now are are kind of inflated from uh, the, the 100-yard game he had against the Colts. But, I mean, his his numbers in the other games have been solid. Um, but, I mean, outside of him, I mean, none of these guys really, uh, you know, as a non-fan of the Titans, really come off the page to me. Uh, you know, Nick Westberg, kind I mean, Chris Moore. good gosh, is your guy's number three receiver. And Ravens fans are quite... Yeah, <laughs> remember the the. I, I don't even know what you want to say about Chris Moore as a receiver. Every, all everyone ever remembers from him with the Ravens is a, as a special teamer. So, I think that and he was there for four years. I think that says everything we need to say about Chris Moore. But um, I mean, yeah, I mean, so to me, it looks to me like the only guy, uh, on your offense who's a real receiving threat right now is Hopkins. Um, and I, I'll admit I haven't had a chance really to to watch what he's done this year from what you've seen, how much does he have left in the tank? Is he still D hop or, or, um, and is it really the coaching that hasn't unlocked the big numbers that we usually see from him? Or does he look like a guy, you know, more like, you know, when you guys had Julio Jones or, um, Andre Johnson, who's a guy who's just, just here for his, uh, his last ride on the Titans.
2: Yeah, I definitely wouldn't lump, lump him in with, with those guys, especially not, um, Andre Johnson and not not Randy Moss either, who most people forget was a Titan. Oh,
0: that's right, he was, wasn't he? <laughs>
2: yeah, exactly. <laughs> um, so yeah, that's I I I think uh, D Hop has a lot left in the tank. Um, I think it's a scheme thing that he hasn't really been getting the same numbers because I mean the Titans are a run first team and Tannehill does throw the ball to. Nick Westbrook a lot for some reason. I mean, he's been reliable. He's been a good you know third, fourth receiver. But when he has to step up and be a first and first or second because of injury last year or, or whatever, he is uh, often a, a frustration point for the fans. But I think he's solid when he's in the right spot. Um, but Hopkins has made some pretty great catches so far this year. You know, he doesn't get the ball thrown his way as much as he should. And week one, Daniel was kind of forcing it to him. So you know, there was. And a lot of attempts there. The chemistry wasn't quite there yet. You know, Tannehill, where is he where's he gonna be? And um Hopkins knowing where Tannehill wants him to be. So once that chemistry has started started to iron out, there's definitely been some, some better plays. Some of them were improvised. You could see uh Tannehill just knowing what Hopkins is going to do, clear out the linebacker and and get open whenever Tannehill is having the pocket collapse. You know, that kind of uh That kind of understanding uh of each other and their role has definitely been um, improving quite a bit and he's made some impressive sideline catches you know he's never really had the a ton of speed and he just finds ways to get open whether it be a move or just understanding um you know routes well enough the what the cornerback can and can't do and how to get separation so that's still all there it's just a matter of getting the, the plays that are designed for him and getting him the ball. Um, you mentioned the rest of the wide receiver core is a bit lacking and that was definitely a concern going in, uh, especially before Hopkins was dying. That's why i wanted him so bad. I know he is getting up there in age, but as far as options available, he was by far the best thing that could, the Titans could have done to that wide receiver room. Um, Chris Moore, uh, you say it has actually made some impressive catches, some, some deep throws to him, uh, over the shoulder catches that big spots too. Like he doesn't get targeted much, but when he has, he's he's come up pretty big.
1: Yeah, there's a couple of interesting things to unpack with DeAndre Hopkins. Uh, like you said, the first game he was force fed with thirteen targets, but only seven catches for sixty five yards for yards per target of only five yards. The next two games they're kind of in the wilderness there. There also were games that Burks was available in. But the last two games, Burks has not been available. Skoronsky came back. At guard, who was your 11th overall pick, which gives you an idea of how high caliber of a guard this guy might be. And suddenly, uh, Hopkins' production has gone up to 10 yards and 12.7 yards per target uh, the last two games um, without Burks around and with the added offensive line help. So I think those two things probably correlate a little bit, Uh, not just the production, the increased amount of yards and, and targets maybe, but also the efficiency of the yards per target.
2: Yeah, absolutely. He he seems to be um, starting to fit in more with the offense, and the pieces around him have definitely helped. I think Burks being on the field um, does help him, despite the fact that you know he's had better games. With Burks off because Burks' his potential has been there. He's shown flashes, and he's still stature of the guy you 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 have to pay attention to him he's he's a big body wide receiver similar to aj brown was the hope was going to be that he'd be a cheaper younger aj brown that maybe will still pan out but at this point aj brown was already looking like a star and burks seems to have trouble staying on the field that's not really his fault but it is what it is um but hopkins has been the go-to guy when they really need a play third down plays always seems to be Hopkins and um, they haven't really targeted much in the red zone yet but they've had trouble in the red zone lately so I'm hoping to see more of that uh, and more of Henry in the red zone as well so I think there's plenty of opportunity for growth and I'm excited to see what Hopkins can do on this team
1: another thing I want to unpack about this team is Tennessee is currently 27th in the league in sacks allowed uh, at 3.14 or 3.14 that's pi (laughs) 3.4 (laughs) um sacks per game i know you said that the offensive line you know some people have come back and and look a little bit better some people are looking not great are you nervous about the ravens pass rush in this game i mean i'm always nervous about pass rush with this offensive line but i i think
2: they can hold their own um well enough i mean i know uh bosa was hurt but with bosa and mac over in um la they they did pretty well um with Skronsky being back, I think that's the biggest thing because he's that was only his second game and he definitely looked a little um, still like he was need some time to get back into the swing of things. Um, so I mean, he was he lost a bunch of weight when he had his appendectomy. It it did rupture, so it was um, something that caused him to be down for a while. He had to put a lot of weight on real quick, and game one shows what he he can be and. Not so I'm gonna really ignore what happened in um this last game and look at the first game when he was showing why he could be, you know, special in this league. He was the first NFL game ever and he was their best lineman. So I think that's gonna be um the true test is is him being back and giving help to Dillard. And if they can do that, I think they'll I think they'll be all right. Tannehill is also starting to get the ball out quicker, I've noticed. He still takes some unnecessary sacks, but I've seen him get the ball out quicker um in some key spots and There have been times where they've tried moving the pocket by play design, and also he's scrambled a couple times, and I'm like, that's what we've been needing on his end. I'm seeing some of it. It's not consistent, but the flashes are there and promising.
0: Moving on to the uh, defensive side of the ball, um, one of the things that's made uh, this rivalry so interesting in recent years is that Tennessee has been one of the teams that – along with with the Pittsburgh Steelers has done a, a pretty consistently decent job um i mean i mean really honestly it pays me to say it a very good job uh in containing Lamar Jackson the things that he likes to do um even though that the you know the last meeting uh, Lamar did finally uh win against Tennessee still wasn't his best game ever as a pro he did have that long touchdown uh but um only 179 passing yards he did have that pick on an ill-advised throw to Boykin. Um, you know, th- this is a matchup. Mike Rabel and, and the Titans defense, like they've done a really good job in these first three meetings at containing Lamar. Um, from your perspective, Tim, what do you think was really the key in that? And do the Titans still have the scheme and the personnel uh, to be able to have er, er, and execute that type of game plan Uh, that you guys used against Lamar a few years ago?
2: Oh, I think um, it's not the same as what they had then, but I think there's still uh, ways that they can make it work. Their pass rush and their defensive line is one of the best in the NFL. I know they didn't get any sacks against the Colts last week, but um, I'm I'm a bit perplexed of exactly what happened there. But, I mean, they have a lot of guys who are going to create pressure. And as long as they can uh, make sure they contain the edge and don't give Lamar a lane and they can get pressure on him, then that would definitely be um, a big key to keeping him out of those dynamic plays. Um, their linebackers are not really coverage guys, so you know that can be interesting in the, you know, the short game and especially who's going to need someone to you know, spy on the QB and be ready for, for him to take off. Their secondary has been really weak, so if he can get the ball out quick to you know a short route, it could be unfortunately a uh, a way to exploit the the Titans because Christian Fulton's supposed to be their cornerback one, and he has been awful this year, drawing a lot of unnecessary penalties. Separation has been insane, and he just doesn't look like the guy that starting what was starting to look like a lockdown corner a couple years ago, and this is a contract year for him, so not a good look, but. I think if they can keep the ball out of the secondary, I know that's a big ask, but um, you know, the, the D line does their, their job Then there's, there's ways to contain.
1: One thing I'm looking at is Caleb Farley still hurt. Uh, the guy entered the league hurt. It seems like he's been struggling to stay on the field and is out right now. Um, is that, I imagine that's putting some stress on those corners. Like you were mentioning earlier.
2: Well, at this point, they're not really expecting him to be a starter. Um, like they can't depend on that so if he comes back and you know lives up to his first round potential that would be awesome but they didn't uh design their roster around him being an, a starting outside cornerback they have I mean they they were hoping that Fulton would be but um outside of him McCreary is a sophomore and he looks like he's having a really good second season yeah. um so that's promising they got Sean Murphy Bunting from the Buccaneers at a free agency and he's looked pretty good made a lot of plays Um, Bayard is still Kevin Bayard but he hasn't really made any plays this year so I'm not sure exactly we haven't really been calling his name for blown coverages either but he also hasn't really shown up Um, and then their other safety is uh, Amani Hooker who has been the the only pick they've had this season and he's been overall like solid guy when he's healthy so they have pieces um, in the secondary it's just Frustrating where it does all come together. I think part of that is scheme because they often line up like off like 10 yards off the wide receiver at the line of scrimmage. And then those short routes kill them. They try not to give up the big X plays and then they still happen anyway because somebody miscommunicate somebody doesn't understand uh, where their their zone is or who's supposed to follow the guy up top. So it happens. I don't know if it's coaching. I don't know if it's the players, but we don't need Farley. Is uh, We don't need him right now if he comes back. That would be great, but we don't need him.
0: <laughs> Another guy on your uh, injury report um, who didn't play last week against the Colts is uh interior defensive lineman. Um, I believe you say his name, Tier Tart. Did I have that correct? That's correct. Yeah, that's right. Some of the articles I was reading this week said that uh, his, um, his absence last week uh, really wasn't great for the run defense, that he was definitely a guy that was needed. Um is he I mean, I'm looking at his uh profile. I mean six two, three oh four, uh guy who's been a, a four year starter for you guys. Is he really um crucial for your guys' uh a run defense in the interior? Yeah, absolutely. I think that was the biggest thing that we were missing against the Colts and why
2: Zach Moss is able to go off for 165 yards, because Hart is a, a big guy, like you were just saying, and but he's also surprisingly nimble and um strong. You know, he's not a guy who's going to be uh doing much in the way of pass rush but he's going to clog up the middle and create opportunities for pass rush and then on you know the rushing defense he's just always a big body in the middle and where they got us the most was runs up the middle so signs all point to missing tart was a huge difference um he has been great for us and um i think that's also a sign that they should sign him to a, a longer term contract after the end of the season because they gave him a, uh, uh, yeah, exactly what the term was now, but they, they had his undrafted free agent. They gave him a, uh, a tender that made it. So if he signed for another team, the other team would have to give up a second round pick. Obviously no team was willing to give up a second round pick for a guy who nobody really knows about at this point, but everyone figured this might be the year where he gets noticed. And, his absence speaks volumes in that point in that game. So we need him back. If, if we're going to contain the run,
0: I always love hearing stories of those type of guys. I mean, the Ravens, yeah, as our listeners know, have really have found a lot of those guys, you know, undrafted run stuffing, uh, interior linemen, um, or late round, you know, uh, so that's, that's cool. That he's been that big for your, your guys defense is undrafted fine. It's always, always great when you can get that type of value there.
2: Absolutely. Yeah, uh, he was uh, a guy who I think went undrafted for people worried about his attitude, but so far he hasn't really been an issue as far as I've seen. Sometimes people get a little frustrated with his willingness to try to play through injury, but because I mean he was out with a toe injury, it didn't seem that bad. The uh the D-line coach seemed frustrated when asked about it, but when he's out there, I mean he he definitely
1: seems to give it his all. Look at the linebacking core. I'd love a little bit more information about them. Uh, I know, like Arden Key, that's a name I remember. Looks like uh, Jack Gibbons is in his second year. Uh, walk me through these this group.
2: Yeah, they they have a few um, that have been surprising. How how they've been Arden Key? I guess not too surprising because he started to uh, show up for the Jaguars last year um, in limited rotational snaps and. Week one, he already looked like he had the potential to be i will um, say—a star outside linebacker. But he's been held in check a little bit recently. But he still gets some pressures. Just stacks aren't showing up. But I think um, that's not necessarily his fault. I think he's getting more attention now. I think his double team rate is is pretty up there. Um, Jack Gibbons, you said is a—he's a second year player. He was also an undrafted find and. He won the job at a camp over Monty rice, who was a third round pick a couple years ago, which was surprising. And honestly, Gibbons has looked very good. He's slow in coverage, but otherwise he has been much better than expected and holding, holding the job pretty well. Um, Harold Landry, uh, opposite key looks to be a little slow coming back from his ACL tear. He missed all of last season and he's just doesn't really quite look like he has the same explosiveness, but I, think that's just going to be something that comes back in time hopefully and then um aziz Alshayer from the 49ers he was one of those guys that uh Rand Karthin knew knew uh, from his time in san francisco he was a, a backup guy but flashed in limited opportunities and we brought him in to show what he's show that he can be a starter and honestly he's done pretty well he looked a little lost in the last game but before that he was playing very well and i was very happy with with his first four games of the season.
0: So I guess before we go on to uh, score predictions, um, I think one thing we do have to talk about, since this has been a topic of conversation for the Ravens uh, this year, is uh, is special teams. Um, you know, uh, Ravens, we've had some issues with kick coverage, uh, particularly in in the punt return. Uh, had the block punt last week. Obviously, the, the big punt return touchdown uh, against the Bengals. Just overall, uh, sl- some sloppiness in punt return and kick return coverage that you really don't see from the Ravens. Uh, Something really hoping the Ravens can uh, can get right in the coming weeks. But um, yes, I mean, as far as the Titans are concerned, um, anything of note with the special teams, or is that just a a unit that's humming as you would expect? Nothing to be concerned
2: about uh, from the Tennessee side. Um, I'd say... There, there's been some good special team plays, uh, some good open field tackles on kick um, coverage. There's been uh, a couple turnovers. Um, one of those was actually from the safety. I mentioned earlier, Imani Hooker. He had the uh, uh, opening drive uh, kickoff fumble that was caused in New Orleans. That was a great start to the season. It looked like it was going to be a great way to get off to a hot start and only ended up with a field goal, but it was at least points on the board. Um, but special teams has, has showed up where it needs to be. Um, I, I'm interested to see how punt returns are going to go because Kyle Phillips is a uh, fifth-round draft that pick they had two years ago that was flashing potential as a wide receiver and punt returner, but he seemed to also not be able to stay healthy. I mean, he's basically my size. He's five foot eleven, 190 pounds. So when he's getting hit by some of these guys, I'm not necessarily surprised. But he pops back up usually when, when he does get hit. It's just a matter of his body letting him. And yeah, you know, has the toughness aspect. So I'm interested to see him being back with uh, punt returns, if he can create something out of, out of what the, uh, you said the Ravens have been struggling with that. So I'm interested to see if he can
1: make something out of that. Yeah, man. It's, uh, it's been rough for a team that prides itself in having good special teams. I noticed that you guys had a six overall ranking in special teams Devoa. So I'll take that as you will. Um, Morgan Cox is there right now as a long snapper. We know him well from Baltimore. And uh, yeah, like we'll, we'll definitely have to keep an eye on this group. Doesn't don't love seeing that Tajay Spears is your kick returner. It makes me a little nervous.
2: <laughs> yeah, Spears. Spears is definitely pretty electric on the field. I'm. You know, I don't know if you've watched much with him in Tennessee or if you just seen him out of Tulane, but he has been. Everything that people thought he could be I was surprised when we drafted him in the third round because I was expecting wide receiver And I was like a running back a running back like <laughs> last thing I expected But he's done very well um, And yeah, Morgan Cox has been an all-pro at long snapper It's an important position, but also one that you know You're not really if you're talking about your long snapper being one of the better players in your team It's not really a good look, but happy to have him um, all the same and then Folk uh, at you know, place kicker has been a revelation because they've been scrambling for uh, consistency at the kicking position ever since they let go of uh, Ryan Suckup a few years ago. And then um, their punter Ryan Stonehouse has been elite. He's been one of the better punters in the league and he's a second year undrafted. I mean, he's a punter. Most are undrafted, but he's a second year and he is, he's got a quite the leg on him. He's going to, yeah, averaging 50 yards um, pretty regularly. He's, I've seen some 60, 70-yard punts, and he's starting to place them. So he's, he's a weapon to have. He's going to help flip the field. If the Titans offense can't get going, they'll just keep moving the field back until eventually they can hopefully get good field position and finally score.
1: <laughs> All right, well, as our guest, feel free to start off with your uh, bowl predictions and your score predictions, and uh, we'll go from there. Oh man,
0: uh, let's see. You can also really defer. You have the option about it. Yeah, you have the option to go first or defer. Yeah, it's like the like like coin, coin toss.
1: toss. <laughs> yeah. okay. The guest
0: to always wins the coin toss.
1: Okay, I will <laughs> defer for now. Let me think on it. I have one, Peter. So for my bold prediction, I'm going to say that the Ravens outside linebackers, after being zeroed uh, last game, will get three
0: sacks or more in this in this matchup. Does that feel bold enough? Uh I think I think Tim Tim's analysis of the offensive line will tell you that. Tim, does three sacks from the Ravens against the Titans offensive no, line no, no. sound bold? Specifically the outside linebackers. Oh, specifically the outside linebackers. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. 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 Well they that's the position group that's most likely to get a sack. But they didn't do it last week. They didn't do it last week. All right. I'll let it go. Oh yeah. That's that's fine. Yeah, you can have that one.
1: That's I don't know. Our inside linebackers, man, they've been they've been getting a lot of the pressure too. So um, I don't know. I, I think they're only averaging, like, what, 3.4 a game. So, for them all to be from the linebackers, would, I think be kind of interesting. Or the outside linebackers. Got to be, got to be that <laughs> in that in this word. <laughs> and then for the score prediction, oh, man, it's like, if I bet on this offense being productive, that's, like, not necessarily a good bet. I think they need to wake up. I think they're going to be really drilled in you know london was bad for the last time or whatever so i'm gonna i'm gonna say that they actually put up some points i don't think it's gonna be bar- burner but i'm gonna say they, they can put up you know 27 points and uh i think tennessee is only gonna score about 10 so 27 10 ravens do win
0: uh try to get, get back right after that disappointing loss weird things happen across the pond weird games happen So I really don't know what's going to happen here. Like if this game was in Nashville, if this game was in Baltimore, I think I'd have a better read on it. But you know, the, the, the going across the pond, the not knowing which side the crowd is going to be, have more on um, if, if there is one, you know, I have no idea uh, which of those, these two teams have a, a bigger international draw. I mean, we're not talking about like, you know, the Cowboys or the Steelers going over there, teams that, you know, you know, have, um, fan bases outside outside their respective cities so I'm going for a weird game. I think there's going to be some sloppiness which is going to lead to some uh, a more high scoring game than I think we would expect from these two teams. I think we'd expect this game to kind of you know h- hover around you know 40 points total in general if this game was was stateside. I'm gonna say the Ravens win 31 to 28 and my bold prediction this game, um, is that the wide receiver group will step up. Will step up. Um, I think that after a game like they had against the Steelers with all those drops, that's going to wake up that room. And I'm going to predict that three separate uh, players, they can be any position. I know I'm highlighting the wide receivers here. I'm expecting it to be wide receivers but uh, slash tight ends. But three separate um, offensive players on the Ravens will score. A, uh, a touchdown uh, from Lamar Jackson, which has not happened terribly often in the past three seasons. Doing a quick look at it, I might have missed some games, but I only counted four times this has happened since the start of the 2020 season. And I'll add that right now, the only wide receiver that has
1: a touchdown is Aguilar. <laughs> so um, it's bold. <laughs> it's bold. It's bold. So we're looking to, to buck that trend in a big way. They come in bunches. Very interesting. Got one Tim
2: yeah, I think I, I think I managed to think one up, um so part of it's going to be uh wishful thinking on my end, not necessarily um that bold given given the name, but I think DeAndre Hopkins is going to get two touchdowns. um I think he's that's really what's going to help us in the red zone right now. I mean, the Titans are moving the ball very well against the the Colts, and they just kept stalling in the red zone and that's where Hopkins, I think, could shine because he's going to make those contested catches in limited space. He's going to be a guy that they should should look for, and he hasn't got his first Titans touchdown yet. This will be the game where he finally gets it, and that's another one on on top of that. Um, that's probably going to rely on Henry having a game two, so maybe that's a, a twofer because it's probably going to work the best of the play action's working, and the play action's going to work with with Henry being the on the field a lot. But yeah, I think Hopkins is going to, be what puts the titans up over the edge um i think the titans are gonna win a close game um 24 to 21 um titans love to win games they're not favored for and then lose the ones they are they're they've won more games as the underdog and than anybody else in the nfl the last few years so you know when they're the underdog is when you really are supposed to watch out for them as weird as that sounds. So I think it will be a close game. It may be sloppy, like you were saying overall, but it'll, it'll be, I think a, a close victory for the Titans.
1: Yeah. And I'm curious what Chris has to say. So we'll drop him in now for, uh, his bold predictions.
3: Hey, a little late on the recording here, but I just want to give my bold and score predictions for this week at London game against the Titans. I think this is gonna be a close one. It's funny. My in-laws were just here last week and they're bills fans. And, uh, I was kind of telling them before the game I was like, look, these London games are real weird. Uh, I would not expect to be uh, at full strength over, overseas. I kind of feel the same. This Titans team is a little middling though, so I do think it's going to be a close game, but I don't feel good about it. I, I guess I'll say the Ravens come away with a win 20-17. to 17. Uh, As far as bold prediction, um, it probably says more about the state of the Ravens' pass rush right now and outside linebacker group than it does the, the Titans. But I think we're going to get away with five sacks at least. Um, I think uh, it's a good matchup for the Ravens here. I think the uh, Titans' offensive line is, is in a bit of trouble. But, uh, but yeah, otherwise, uh, <laughs> we'll see what happens. I am looking forward to a full day of, of football, though. Uh, that would be a lot of fun.
1: Thanks, Chris, for those. I will say... Tim, you and uh, you and us are kind of the same where it seems like the, the Ravens have stepped up in games that were, you know, they weren't favored to win like against the Bengals this year and uh, and against the Browns too, even though they had the backup quarterback, they weren't favored originally. And then in these games that they're favored, they just, they, they have stinkers, total stinkers. And we got to see that turn around from the Ravens' perspective. And it sounds like the Titans feel the same way. So uh, definitely difficult when your team kind of rises to the level of their opponent.
2: Yeah, there's a lot of similarities I see between the two right now, especially when you're saying about um the uh, the frustrations of losing to a divisional opponent the last week. That was probably uh the toughest pill to swallow so far this season for us was losing to the Colts. though we did, uh, especially with our supposed vaunted uh, rush defense being gashed for 165 to not even Jonathan Taylor, but Zach Moss. Um, but I mean. The losses have been, aside from the, the Browns game, have been relatively close. Um, the Saints game, I feel like, I, I hate to always make this excuse, but the Saints game would have been entirely different if the refs were consistent with their call of what is a fumble when the quarterback is, is hit in a before the throwing motion. Because there was one where uh, Carr was you know, gearing up to throw it. The replay showed he clearly did not go forward with it. They not only blew the play dead on what would have been an easy uh, return for a touchdown, but then in review, you know, they had all the announcers saying, agreeing that it was a clear fumble. Gene Steratore came on and agreed, and then they go to the field and they did not overturn it. They left it as an incomplete pass, and that was a easy field goal for the Saints. It was a ten point swing, and then they lost by one point. Mm-hmm. So, you know, that's that was kind of heartbreaking, and uh, glad we could shake it off quick with a win against the Chargers, but. You know, that inconsistency of win, lose, win, lose. We just lost. It's a win coming up. That's so far how this season has been going. And at least for this next week, I hope that trend continues.
1: Well, we'll certainly see. Uh, Nine o'clock or 9.30 game. So make sure to get up early and get ready for this game. Uh, You know, I guess it's not too, too bad from the East Coast. But I guess for you, uh, you're living now in, uh, in Texas. So it's a little bit earlier still.
2: Yeah, it's actually going to be even worse for me because I'll be in um, Albuquerque this weekend, oh. so it'll be 7.30 a.m. <laughs> yeah,
1: so we can't complain at 9.30.
2: You got it worse. <laughs> yeah, I don't even like waking up 7.30 on a weekday, So, but for football, <laughs> make an exception.
1: Make an exception. There you go. Well, Tim, thanks so much for joining us. We really appreciate your insights on the Titans. It really helped us understand this matchup better.
2: Thanks. I'm glad I could help. It's it's being a Titans fan, and everyone always just sees you know what they want to see with the Titans, or they just don't necessarily care about the Titans. And everyone sees stat lines and say, "Oh, Derrick Henry's washed," or "Ryan Tannehill is is oh bottom five, bottom ten quarterback." And it's like sometimes I can't really argue with the Tannehill thing, but he also can be good when when set up to succeed. But I'm glad to always provide insight into the Titans because you know. One thing that frustrates me as a Titans fan. I'm glad I could help um, people kind of understand what's going on over there
1: in Nashville. Awesome. Well, with that, we'll wrap up the show. You can find us on Twitter at pod Threads at one winning pod and of course, you can email us OneWinningPod at gmail.com. We'll be back next week talking about either a win or a loss in the UK, hoping for
3: the best. Go Ravens.